Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. This week we look at the passing of Jason Richards. And the results maybe, you know, don't don't show that throughout the year, but I think um, you know, BJR and, and my results and Cam's results at Bathurst, you know, they've got to stand alone. Nick Perkhat is re-signed for two years. Puts a good bit of consistency with me, the team. I've been with them since 2007. And the world champ takes Triple Eight's Commodore for a spin. This is something I didn't expect, you know. I, I was happy to drive uh, anything, to be honest, just get the opportunity to... All that and more today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Friday, Jason Richards lost his 14-month battle with cancer. As expected, the news has rocked the V8 supercar community and many tributes have been offered to the respected New Zealander. He was just 35 years old and is survived by his wife Charlotte and two children. You can hear our final interview with Jason, recorded at Phillip Island during the 500 in September at v8insiders.com.au. V8 Supercars have announced the pick garage order for 2012 with Team Vodafone at the head of the lane. Gary Rogers' Fujitsu Racing is next in line with Kelly Racing's four cars, followed by Stone Brothers and FPR's three cars. Jonathan Webb's new two-car team will run 19 and 91 ahead of the Walkinshaw cars, all three, seeing Russell Ingall racing under the 66 number in his Walkinshaw Super Cheap Autos Commodore next year. His pit boom will be shared with Brad Jones Racing's number 21, at this stage expected to be driven by Jason Barguana, whilst Fabian Coulthard will use the 14 that Bargs had last year. Dick Johnson Racing is the next in line, with Paul Morris's number 49 wreck sharing the same boom as Triple F Racing. It is expected that both of those cars will be prepared at the Dick Johnson Racing workshops. Finally, Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport and Tony D'Alberto Racing will be paired together at pit entry. Nick Perkett has been re-signed for two years by Walkinshaw Performance for the Development Series in 2012 with the goal of moving him to the main game in 2013. Um, I think it's a pretty important step. It's, um, I'm probably, probably showing that I, I understand that I need another year to uh, make sure I get the most out of it when I go into the main series. So hopefully next year I'll learn uh, as much as I did this year and it's um, going to improve me as a driver a lot and I'll understand the car much more and understand how to get the most out of it all. Garth Tander says keeping Percap in the fold is critical under the endurance rules. Yes, yeah, certainly there are a lot of offers around for Nick and um, you know a lot of people who are keen to have him that probably weren't keen to have him a week prior to us winning the race. But 
Um, you know, we've had Nick as part of the Walkinshaw Racing family for quite some time now, and his development's been fantastic. It's been spot on, and you know, obviously winning Bathurst in his first attempt was probably a little earlier than we expected, but um, you know, it was a great result for him. And um, it would have been the temptation would have been to step up one year early, and uh, and then perhaps get in the main game and maybe get spat out again. So probably one more year in the development series then he'd be more than ready for the main game and then uh, hopefully we can find him a spot there. Casey Stoner, the World MotoGP champion, tested the Triple Eight Commodore last week and was asked what surprised him about driving the V8s. How well they absorb the, the curbs actually. Um, you know, they're, they're still going to be a stiff sort of race machine but uh, yeah, they do absorb the bumps pretty well and um, you know, of course the power is still there but uh, you know, we have to deal with a fair bit of power myself and the hardest thing I've had to find is uh, changing whatever I know, basically, to do with uh, braking and shifting back through gears. Is um, I'm having to uh, to rethink it again. He was in Craig Lowndes' winning car from Sydney. This is something I didn't expect. You know, I I, I was happy to drive uh, anything to be honest, just to get the opportunity to to see what they're like. But to actually uh, you know drive Craig's car and uh, something that won a race just a couple of weeks ago is is something very special, and uh, I appreciate it. For Stoner, who's had a fantastic 2011, is he still on a high? Just this season, you know, finding out that we were we were pregnant and uh, and winning the championship, you know, at my home race on my birthday, you know, all that all together has just been a fantastic season. So that along with this, uh, you know, I, I couldn't really ask for a better year. Greg Lowndes, of course, is a avid bike rider himself and he admits he's a bit of a Casey Stoner fan. He actually knows more about us than what we do. It's, uh, it's quite incredible that uh, you know, he travels the world doing, obviously, uh, MotoGP, but then he keeps a really close eye on what we do in V8 Supercars. So that's a really nice thing to know that uh, you know, what he does, where he is, and the calibre of the person he is, he still keeps a good, good close eye on you. And just, as you said, from Bathurst, you know, we come to Homebush, and now we're down here. It's, uh, it has been uh, fantastic to actually spend some time getting to know him, understand him, and, of course, you know, his mentality and his attitude to motor racing is just incredible. What sort of stories did these two champs swap? It's one of those things that uh, when you get to talk to him more about it, and of course, you know, you get to talk to him about the, you know, so, some of the, in the sense like we have rivalries between other drivers, but you know, with uh, himself and, uh, and Jorge, and then of course uh, uh, Rossi and all those guys, and he just talks about them like you know we do with Murph and uh, you know Tander and, uh, and of course Jamie. So it's nice to have that, uh, you know, as I said, time to be able to ha- sort of pick his brain, get into where he where he's been, what he's doing, and how he actually copes and, and with that that sort of pressure at that level of motor racing. What did Lowndes think of Stoner's V8 debut? The technical side of the track here, he's actually got to grips with really well. It's just getting them through the kerbs and, and across that far section around the back where he's just probably got to get more in tune with the car, nothing else. But the technical side of it, low speed stuff, he's right up to speed. Jamie Winkup thought it was great to have the world champion one of their cars. Well, hey, these are cool cars. It doesn't matter if you're an F1 driver or you've won the, the MotoGP championship. You know, we are really lucky here in Australia. We've got some awesome cars, um, and I'm just I'm just thankful that uh, Roland and, uh, and everyone at Team Vodafone gave Casey the opportunity to come out here and have some fun, but it's not all... I know for him it's not going to be just about having fun. He's going to want to do a good job. But does the three-time champion think his talents could transfer to V8s? For sure, somewhere along the track, I'm... I'm not sure how close um, that is for him. Hopefully he goes on and does some awesome stuff for, for us Aussies in MotoGP and on two wheels. But, um, you know, life after two wheels for, for most of those guys is, is car racing. And, um, you know, I'm sure his eyes are set on Viet Supercar because it's, uh, it's one of the strongest categories in the world. Roland Dane, another motorcycle enthusiast, says he rates having Casey in one of his cars. Stoner certainly did impress Roland Dane with his talent. For sure especially when you you've spent most of your life away chasing that dream 
and not living in the life of luxury, as it were, um, overseas, you've had to, to work pretty hard at it. So I think that um, uh, Casey's developed a, a steely determination uh, to, to succeed at anything he does. And Dane's confident that he might in the coming years be part of Triple Eight. Well, he's certainly in a real car. Um, so being in a, in a race, I, I suspect it's, it's in his hands if he wants to do it. And uh, I suspect uh, he'll end up doing it. It's probably his decision at some point. That's all we have time for in the news. We go rustling with David next on the V8 Insiders. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Well, for the final time this year, we'll go rustling with Dave in the Fujitsu series. And Dave, uh, well, it was a tough, hard-fought battle, but what about those conditions on Sunday when the absolute uh, sky just opened up right before you are out on the track? Yeah, look, thanks, Craig. It, it, to be honest, for me, it would have been good if it continued to pour down like that. Um, but uh, that's that certainly wasn't the case. Look, I was pretty pretty confident in those conditions. Um, it was really wet, but uh, as as we noticed, the Homebush track uh, tends to dry very quickly. It did indeed. But uh, when you're faced with uh, a race like that, where it was Andrew had wrapped up the championship the day before. You and Jack were having a, a ding-dong battle back there for the, the second place and the first of the non-factory cars. What was in your mind right at the start of that race? Oh, look, to, to be honest, at the start, like I'm confident in, in, in uh, wet weather conditions, we'd, we'd uh, set the car so in those, in those wet weather conditions it would have... Um, been a little bit better as well. Um, I, on, on the grid, I said to the guys, you know, they were watching the radar and they'd been into um, been into another because obviously I'm not linked with the main series team, so so they went up to pit lane to sort of find someone that they uh, that they knew that could give us a bit of a weather outlook and forecast. And uh, I think um, both Matthew White and, and my engineers sort of came back and said, look, yep, we're we're confident, <laughs> confident that it's going to rain, and and uh, yeah, look, it <laughs> it didn't rain, though, did it? So <laughs> um, yeah, for us, it was just a matter of uh, we we set the car just to for a wet a wet race, and uh, set our tire pressures um, accordingly as well. And you know, hindsight's a great thing, but we probably um, uh, could have done with um, you know setting them a whole lot lower just in case it did dry. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting problem, isn't it? And uh, as it turned out, Jack Perkins had the uh, the best run in that final race and he managed to pip you by a nose there in the championship. 
Yeah, look, you know, very disappointing to have that happen and, um, you know, it, it you can't really go back and, and count over, oh, what if, what if this happened or what if this happened in, in previous rounds? Like, at the end of the day, we just, um, as I said to all my guys after the you know, after the round, you know, we can be proud of what we achieved this year. And yeah, the last race didn't go our way, but you know, um, had it been, you know, it, other circumstances probably would have been a whole lot different. You know, we had him covered in dry conditions, and um, to be honest, I thought we we, we certainly had him covered in uh, wet weather conditions as well. But it's just when that track dried and on on uh, on wet weather tyres that uh, yeah, that, that just the car was. Um, yeah, very, very difficult to drive, but, you know, the fact is you just, when you've got no grip and you're sliding around, well, very easy for um, for those to sort of have a good run. So, mm. um, but, yeah, look, we, we, were, we were quite, um, you know, quite um, proud of what we'd done. You know, we re- really, I think we were the main main guy that served it up to to, um, to those main series teams this year. And, you know, as we've, as we've seen in the last couple of rounds, there's some very, very good cars that will be uh, in the future T-Series next year. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to see what happens. Now, right throughout the year, we've been tracking your progress on trying to get you into the main game. Are you any closer as it comes to Christmas to uh, get that sort of Christmas present? Yeah, look, um, there's there's not too many seats around, so I'd have to say I'm I'm getting closer. It's um, yeah, it's been a, been yeah quite a quite a long process to be honest in in getting things you know trying to trying to um, you know piece together um, something. But um, yeah, look, I'm still remaining positive on things. You know, I think uh, you know with the drives that are available, I'm well positioned there, and uh, we'll just have to see what happens whether it's uh, before Christmas or in the new year and. Um, yeah, fingers crossed to see how things go. Well, hopefully Santa can bring you a main game seat in <laughs> uh, a few days' time. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you throughout the year and uh, following your career, not only in the uh, Fujitsu Series, but, of course, the endurance races as well. And uh, I hope you have a, a great Christmas and a, a very happy 2012. Yeah, great. Thanks very much. And uh, thanks to all listeners there. You know, it's, it, it's great to have, have uh, some people come up and say, um, yeah, heard you on uh, on uh, wrestling with Dave. So look, it was, it was it was good, Craig, and thanks very much. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's see what happens for next year. All the best to David Russell there on the Vad Insiders. We'll be back with the round table. It's Big Hair Nev and Mark Fogarty next. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com. Do V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders on this Christmas edition of the show. And, uh, well, joining us, the editor-at-large of Auto Action Magazine, Mark Fogarty, also writing in The Age. How do you become an age journalist after years of motorsport concentration? Well, I'm have been covering motorsport for them for the last couple of months and that's been the product of chipping away for a long time to try, them get to, to try to get them interested but 
bit of a breakthrough, but whether it continues or not past the end of this year is um, anybody's guess. But uh, recently, yes, that's been a, an extra string to my bow, although if you really look at it, it's just going back to the future because I used to write motorsport for the age. Ooh, way back in the mid-'80s. Mm. Well, anyway, in the spirit of the season, bah humbug. Neville Wilkinson, editor, not at large, but big hair of VADX magazine. Welcome to the show. G'day. Hey, how you going, folks? Good, mate. So you're a large hair, Ed. Yeah. yeah. Large-ish hair. <laughs> Buffon. Folks, at the end of the season, Jamie Wincup wins the championship. We've he did, talk- you're right. He, we talked a number of times over the last few years about Jamie Wincup winning so regularly that the punters don't care anymore. At the end of this season, do you still share that view? Do you mean that they don't care about him winning it or they just don't care about who wins the races anymore? Uh, we'll go with both. Well, for some reason, Jamie Wincup is not the most fan-friendly driver out there. Um, they just seem to, in a large body, take a set against him. Um, I don't know quite what it is about his mannerism um, that sets them off, but, you know, there it is. Whereas Craig Lowndes is eternally popular. It doesn't matter what he does. Um, Win Cup won the championship, but it certainly wasn't boring. Um, it went right down to the wire, and although it was always going to be pretty much inevitable, it was a very exciting finish to the series. Um, two teammates battling it out, and one of them, Craig Lowndes, kept coming back from, well, basically the dead in the, over the last two events to keep the thing alive. So, And overall, I don't think you could say that this year's series, despite pretty much Win Cup's domination, he did have the most wins with 10, but it was a pretty eventful um, season, and for Jamie to get there in the end, well, boy, he had to work hard for it. Nev, was it a sort of case like we saw in the AFL where everyone said, if Geelong doesn't win three premierships with the team they've got, they will have not optimised their opportunities. If Jamie Winkup didn't win three championships in this period where he's with the best team, with the best equipment, and he is showing he is certainly the best driver he would have let himself down more than anyone else. Well, Roland Dane would have been thinking that, like, hang on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he nearly, remember, he nearly won four championships. So, yeah, definitely the team's been dominant for, for I know, more than four years. They've been dominant for, you'd have to say, nearly six, seven years. Um, it's just... You know, they just get stronger. And they seem to be able to bounce back quicker. They changed manufacturers and they came out and won. They were, you know, everybody said, oh, they'll take six months to get a handle on the new manufacturer. No, you know, that's other teams, but not uh, Team Vodafone. But you got to, you talk about Jamie Wincup um, winning the championship. I actually say <laughs> he nearly lost the championship because it was his to lose. And with Craig, the way he was driving, you know, Jamie was just holding it together at Sydney. Um, so you know, what I'm saying is, he, 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 you know, he, he was, you know, he was almost like he, he'd um, he'd thought about it too much and nearly put himself out of the wind. And, um, but he won. But, yeah, but he won. And people go, oh, it's Vodafone's bogey track. Well, no, it isn't, because Craig Lowne proved that it wasn't Vodafone's bogey track. It's Jamie Winkup's bogey track. 
Um, and that's probably what I'm getting at. But anyway, yeah, yeah. To you know, I think job done, and I think they're going to come out just as strong next year. The teams have got a lot of work uh, ahead of them. Um, some teams can put it up to Team Vodafone, but they're not consistent enough. Team Vodafone is consistent. Um, and they've got stability so that it allows them to think of other scenarios and take advantage of, sit down and go, now what would happen in this situation and work on that where the other teams are just going, I just want to be fast and I just want to win without, uh, you know, without getting into nitty-gritties. And I think that's uh, Team Vodafone's strength. Mm. Now, you, Team, if I may just chip in there, Team Vodafone is the best. Full stop. End of story. I, I agree. And to criticise Jamie Winkup for winning the championship with the best team by far, and in the best car, against the toughest teammate. Well, you know, I just think that's, well, it's disingenuous, you know. Oh, mate, he was wobbling around at Sydney. Come on. Yes. He was, yes. Like, he yeah, was, he was, he was the, following a guy, just following the whole space. He still broke his suspension. He was wobbling. It was his hoodoo track. He was psyching himself out something chronic. He had the and nervous if Nelly. Champ- if he didn't that's win the championship, correct. he would have, like... Do you reckon he would? He would have been the hardest guy on himself for sure. He of course, he would have. Right out. He would have had to. He would have had to be suicide watch on the guy. I reckon. Yeah. Well, and as he admits himself, it would have been very embarrassing if he'd lost. But he didn't. He nearly did. In though. the end. Yeah, but you know, nearly. You know, yeah. if, if my uncle had yeah. Watsies, he'd be my. He'd be my auntie, but you know that's not the case. I, yeah, I, I but just, he won. He he won the championship on a whimper, really. He didn't, he didn't take control and grab by the scruff of the neck. He's well, just, he's just on that basis, field there. Nor did James Courtney last year. You know, plenty of championships. Oh, yeah, but they were going... Or well, they had to do End something. In the, team, the team got it out before Vodafone missed the cutoff. DJ didn't won it. It was like, you know, there was there was a lot of... There was a lot of uh, theatre to last year's win, but this one was a bit of a whimper. Mm. It's theatre, and don't forget, you know... You could argue that Craig was disadvantaged a couple of times by errors by the team or getting, you know, yeah, I know. the electrical wiring failure at the Gold Coast, which completely scuppered his championship, really, if you yeah. think about it. But, you know, Win Cup was um, compromised heavily, you know, the leaving the trumpet covers in at Queensland Raceway. We'll just put him out of, out of the running yeah, there. He, he, he got let down at Bathurst, if you like, by... Um, the, the alternator problems they had there. So, I mean, he had his problems just like Craig did and, and others. All I'm saying is that, you know, champions tend to go with the best car and the best team. That's part of being a champion. And, you you know, Fangio, one Manuel Fangio was a arch ex- exponent of that, you know, um, pretty much changing team each year back in the 50s, all but once, to win his championships. Um, so it, it goes with the territory. So... I, I just think people in this case, you know, if, if I were to criticise Jamie Wincup, it wouldn't be, you know, because he won the championship with the best car and the best team. That's what you're supposed to do. Yes, he may have made hard work of it, but in the end when it counted, he got there. And, you know, like he was holding off, you know, one of the toughest guys to have on your tail in Craig Lowndes any time. But this year, Craig was resurgent. You know, he was driving like a youngster again, you know. It was, oh. You know, let's, let's race that. like it's 1999. That was his credo. Yeah, people love that. I said that mm. was one of the highlights of the of the series this year. And it's interesting because I remember two years ago on this very show, we had been to Clipsal and the great man Murray Walker joined us on the show with Gordon Lomas. And Gordon always reminds me of this every time Craig Lowndes does well. Murray 
said he thought Craig was past it from what he had seen with his championship results the year before and then Clipsal. And uh, it's it's interesting how he has turned his racing around and turned his, uh, you know, his hard at it attitude in in the car back onto full steam and is driving as well as we've ever seen him drive, folks. Well, with all due respect to Murray Walker, who I love dearly and admire greatly, um, there is a reason that by that stage Murray wasn't doing um, regular Formula One commentaries. Um, I'm not sure he's the best judge of whether Craig Lowndes was up to it anymore. (coughs) He was clearly wrong. Um, Craig has driven better than he has for several years this year, that's true, but I think to have dismissed Craig Lowndes, you know, two or three or four years ago, um, well, that was um, a big error. I'm sure he will say to us this year, when, or next year when we see him at Clipsal, I guess I was very much mistaken. Ned? And he was. But, you know, Craig's near, much nearer the end of his career than Jamie and a host of others are. So, you know, at some stage, you know, he's going to start tailing off. And you, you might have argued until this year that consistency, you know, event to event to event, um, was where he let himself down. But pretty much he was consistent this year, stayed in the game. Yes, he shot himself in the foot a couple of times, particularly in qualifying on the Saturday at Sandown and then <laughs> again on the Saturday at Homebush. But boy... Talk about fightbacks. They're amazing drives, drives of the year. Definitely. Mm. Gas and Go is next on the V8 Insiders. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Gas and Go brought to you by VRX Magazine. Check out the new website, vrxmagazine.com.au. Neville. We'll certainly like it if he sees you logging on there. Nev, who is your star of this season? I would have to say I like young Slady. I thought he did well. This guy looks promising. I'm keeping an eye on him. So I'd say uh, Tim Slade. Folks? Really, Nev. Nick, Tim Slade is your star of the season. I think the guy suddenly, suddenly understands. I think I, I, he's, I, I think this year he looked really good. I, I kept an eye on him all year. I agree. I like, I like the cut of his jib. Yeah, yes, very good, yes, yes. <laughs> Tell you how, yeah. No, no, he did a good job, but to my mind, start of the season, well, it's a toss-up between Nick Perkett and David Reynolds. Reynolds showed real speed, but all got ugly with the Kellys near the end of the season. He didn't really show his true potential. So... My star of the season is, is is Nick Perkett. I mean, two main game events, fourth at Phillip Island after fluffing the start and charging back, you know, lapping faster than most of the top guns, um, you know, and keeping Garth in the, in the race. And then at the Bathurst 1000, the most exciting finish ever, well, Perkett did his job and more more than to get uh, keep Garth up there. And even though Perkett made a mistake that could have been catastrophic, he got away with it, you know, but... He's there, and he's a you know a rookie winner of the Bathurst 1000. Um, he's got a lot of potential, so uh, he's my star of the season for sure. Mm. Who's your dud of the year? <sighs> so many possibilities, so little time. 
easy pick of a James Courtney, you know, worst title defence ever. But he did show, you know, glimpses of his true character and talent. It's got to go to Paul Dumbrell, honestly. So much talent, such a good car. What did he deliver? Paul Dumbrell or Bargs? Hmm. Well, call. Mine? Yeah. Ah, uh, OK, I'll go Paul Dumbrell. Because everybody was talking him up, but everybody's forgetting where he actually was in the championship. Such a disappointment, Dumbrell. You know, he's got so much talent, but so wildly inconsistent over the course of his career, which, you know, he is he first to admit to. He always does well at the end of the season. Yeah, but even then he stuffed that up at Homebush manfully. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say Lucas Dumbrell Racing was my dud of the year, but uh, I don't get to answer these questions. Nev, who was the team of the year? Gee, I wonder if... <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a hard one. It would have to be Team Vodafone. All right. <laughs> Folks? Hmm, let me think about that one. Gee, such a... Sur- team Vodafone. I would have thought that we'd hear names like Reynolds, Perkhat and, uh, and Slade... When I asked folks, who's the surprise of the year? James Moffat. Ah, why? Big surprise. Not a lot was expected of him. Walking into a team that was recovering from absolute chaos and, you know, had been fighting for its life and had to be rebuilt from the ground up and in Wanda's muggins. And uh, he did a solid job. You know, there were some highlight drives. Um, particularly at the Gold Coast. Um, no, he, he was very solid, so he's my surprise. Mm. Nev? Yep. Same with me, young Moffat. All right. And uh, also he did a great job on the uh, rookie year spots we used here on the V8 Insiders. Best race of the year, Nev? Whoa, I'd have to say either Sandown, the wet race on the Saturday... Or, or Saturday actually Homebush thought was pretty good too. Um, I'll say I'll say Homebush Saturday. And folks, I think oh, you nearly say... had it right, Nev. Oh, <laughs> you're so close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, part of me wants to say the Bathurst One Thousand. I mean, that was an extraordinary finish, but you know, it wasn't you know a ripping race all throughout. So it's got to be the one I thought you were going to go for, Nev. Race 25, that's that Saturday race at Sandown in the wet. What remarkable driving we saw from several of them, particularly Craig Lowndes, but also, well, Rick Kelly, who won the race, kept his head. And James Courtney, who, you know, blasted through to third, um, showed his true ability in that race. But there was just so much happening. I mean, that that was just an extraordinary race, the like of which you see very rarely and um, just... Another reason why more races should be in the wet. Mm, yeah, it's uh, it was certainly an entertaining one. That's Gas and Go for another week here on the Van Insiders. Gas and Go is brought to you by the V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Folks and Big Hair Nev will join us after the break with more here on the Van Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing 
V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best riders and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Mark Fogarty from... Well, can I say from the age and auto action, that's still correct as of uh, this week before Christmas? You most certainly can. After Christmas in the new year, who knows, but <laughs> separately with auto action. Yeah, thanks, Nev. I could hear you coming a mile off. <laughs> Definitely with auto action. Stay there. The age, the age is still up in the air. Uh, Nev might know where he can... Uh, no, I read the age. I read Fogues in the age. I thought it was a good read. Thank you, Nev. And I did. I always told you that, that Sydney. Oh, we can, can we, we can have a little mutual appreciation society here. Well, I really we'll love. We get on with the show, shall we? I love reading V8X too. You know? In in the coming Particularly weeks, particularly when my nemesis is writing in there. <laughs> That's Bruce Newton, folks. Yes. In Top the journo. in the coming weeks on the white flag lap, we're going to hear a lot more about Fogs, and and we're going to find out. How you got into this whole motor racing, motorsport game, and I'm sure the listeners will very much enjoy listening to your tales of the early years too. So that's one coming up early in the oh, new year. Yes, it'll be good to reminisce over the, about the old days, young Craig. Yes, yes, uh, and uh, talking about those good old days. How soon will we saying? I remember the good old days when there was a street race at Homebush. That's a very good question. Uh, you know, I think it'll probably see out the last two years of the current five-year contract, but beyond that, it's going to be a tough call. It's got uh, some issues to deal with at the moment. Mm. One what? is that it loses a lot of money for V8 supercars, and uh, they don't like it, and certainly Archer Capital, the 60% owners of the sport, don't. Um, the new Liberal government, or the nearly new Liberal government, are not uh, all that enraptured by the event, and uh, which, in fact, I was surprised to learn. In fact, Nev was there with me when we were talking about um, over the weekend at Homebush that the government only puts in two million odd annually into the event. It put up about twelve million or more, uh, you know, to help with the capital works on the event. But their input is it's certainly way less, if it's to be believed, than the. Uh, um, well, what is it? The, slow, the, the tag that's been given to the race, the taxpayers five hundred. It's um, pretty much anything, anything but. It costs, according to Tony Cochran, about seventeen and a half million to run. And uh, my best information is they lose about two and a half million. So, you know, for Tony, it was his pet project to get a big event up in Sydney, and he probably thinks it's worth it. Whether everyone else does remains to be seen. And then there's the issue um, that the track needs some money spent on it. Um, to upgrade it finally to meet full FIA uh, track standards for an international event, uh, which it is, of course, the championship being an FIA international championship. So um, some of the narrow parts of the track have to be widened. I'm still trying to get to the bottom of exactly what has to be done, but work has to be done because some sort of waiver or something that it had, um, the FIA are not going to cop it anymore. So... There's, you know, three issues off the top that uh, make you wonder whether it'll actually even go again next year. I suspect it, it will, um, but in the long term, it's, it's uh, going to be one of Tony's hardest sells, which is a shame because despite everything, 
and despite it not being a great street track or a great any track, it always produces quite extraordinary racing, certainly incident-packed incident and, and dramatic, and, and, and it has done for all three years. So, and, and as an event, when you get a lot of people there, um, you know, it does have a carnival atmosphere, and it's putting to good use what, you know, essentially for most of the year is a bit of a white elephant in that Sydney Olympic Park. Mm. And uh, Nev, before I go to you, it's, it's I do a lot of local radio um, crosses for motorsport, and what amazed me in the week after Sydney was the fact that every time a host was asking me a question, they were saying, there was no one there. We watched it on TV and we couldn't see a person. It It's a really bad sign when you come out with a press release that says we had 5,000 people more than last year and everyone you speak to who don't know about that press release are saying, oh, geez, this is costing $15 million to the New South Wales and there's no one watching it. Well, it doesn't cost that much for a start. No, well, we've already established that and that, that's yeah. when I have to go in but, and explain. Yeah, no, the crowd was visibly, noticeably down and, you know, I think the crowd claims, well, need to be taken with a grain of salt. I mean, there was a big crowd there. It's not like there was nobody there. But, you know, was the place heaving? Nev, I don't think so. What do you reckon? Uh, not like other years, especially no. not like the first year. Uh, but we all we all know that the figure wasn't the same as the first year, and even very typical, I think, have admitted that. Um, <clears throat> concerts, I mean, you know, we I don't go to the concert, so I don't see the size of the crowds at the concert. And we all know that a fair few people come in for the concerts only. Um, and so there's a bit of of, um, how could you say, not angst with Sydney, but I think it's more with um, with, the, with the Gold Coast people going, well, you know, if, if certain people only go into the concerts, you know, why even have the concert if people, some people only go and buy the ticket to go to the concert? Why have the why, race, I think you mean? Pardon? Why have the race if people are only well, going to the concert? Well, yeah, but see, the race, well, I think Tony Cochran in the same... In the same um, conversation that we're having with how much they're paying they reckon 85% of people that go to the concert are there for the race as well so now, how many concerts have you been to where as added entertainment they put on a motor race Craig. Uh, not many a bit yeah, like no, 80, I've yet 80. to be I've yet to go to an air show where racing cars are doing demonstrations in between the and that's what I was getting at. 85% of the people that go to the concerts actually do go to the race. So they're there for the race and they stay on for the concert, right? So You're not going to get a big crowd coming in, like the massive big crowd that, that won't go for the race but then suddenly turn up for the concert. That's just not going to happen. Right? But you do get people that turn up there just for the concert, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, look, definitely cold chisel. Turn up to watch Kiss at the, at the F1 track and turn up after the race. I, I think cold chisel, if we talk about Sydney, cold chisel, there was definitely people coming in. They were flocking in to go and see cold chisel because of what that, the, the esteem of the band. I don't know that people were flocking in to see Guns N' Roses. I don't know that people were flocking in to see Johnny Farnham, although he did an excellent job because I did go to the concert. And, uh, and hunters and collectors. Hunters yeah. and collectors. That well, wasn't a bad turnout, apparently, Craig. That I night. was, I was uh, there, as opposed to the Friday night, where yeah. the, the concert stadium was almost deserted. I hear. Well, yeah, James. James Phelps was saying it was, you know, you could have uh, swung as many cats as you like and not hit anyone. But <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Saturday night crowd uh, was good. 
it was better than the Guns N' Roses crowd, and that's not bad because, as I've always said, Hunters and Collectors only have five songs, and, uh, you know, they had to pad out a full set, so there was about uh, 12 songs that no one really cared about. And uh, then, of course, they had to get at least one song that people could sing in the encore. So, but, it, but moving on, because <laughs> I'm getting bored here, um, I found that there was still a good crowd down Merchandise Alley. Um, I tried to find... I went there early one, one morning and tried to get an egg and bacon roll, and I found it very hard to find an egg and bacon roll, and I actually questioned whether I was actually in Australia at some stage because you could get pasta for breakfast, but you couldn't get an egg and bacon roll anywhere. It's like, yeah. Well, I think you know, Will, so Hagen had, Will Hagen had got in ahead of you. I think that's the problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, but, but other than that, I, I, I walked up and down Merchandise Alley and stuff. I think, I think part of the issue is general admission, it's... This viewing opportunities are very sparse. A general mission, you can stand along straights, but the cars fly a lot, fly past you at warp factor nine, right? And a lot of the good spectating areas for general admission are either covered by corporate people being there or grandstands. So yeah, you get your general admission, but if you want to get a good place to look, then you've got to pay extra for at least a grandstand. There's a, there's a there's an upgrade fee, and um, I think. I think they need to start, and I say this in my next issue of edX, they need to start looking after the fans who pay general admission. It's always great to have Fogues and Big Hair Nev on the show, but uh, we have to actually leave the conversation here on the V8 Insiders this week. Our white flag lap is up next. You can hear the rest of Fogues and Neville Wilkinson on next week's V8 Insiders as we get ready for New Year's. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, we remember Jason Richards at a happy time in 2008 when he was aboard with Greg Murphy at the mountain. Jason Richards, congratulations on a fine second place. You've been here before, though. What's it going to take for you to get that top step? That's right. Uh, third time in four years I'm second, and uh, I'm getting the margin down, though. This is my closest finish. Uh, 0.7, I think, was uh, the margin. Uh, so, you know, it's been my plan all week is to find two and a half seconds. So I found basically two, so I just need the, the last half to, to find next year. It, it's, I'm proud of my team. I'm really proud of Team BOC. You know, they've done an amazing job. We were running six, but we had a fast car. We deserved to be here, my, in my opinion. We were fast Friday, well, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, and then, of course, we got we the fastest car in the race. So, you know, we, we had the speed. We just didn't, we didn't have the track position uh, enough of the time. We were always having to fight through. Um, and then, you know, it was the last, last sort of run home, I was in sixth position, and uh, she was a bit of a do or die uh, mentality. I just decided that um, you know, if I'm six, I'd rather be in the wall than sixth, and, and uh, I'll have a crack. And, and that's what we did. And, and uh, got you know, did some cheeky moves on some guys, and got past. And just those you know, best Beth is desperate, so you got you got to pull out, and, and uh, it just unfolded. So it was, uh, I was I was surprised to be fair that. You know, I was pumped. I made the podium, and then I was surprised I got I managed to get to second. 
Uh, and then I thought, oh, I'll have a crack at Garth, but um, yeah, I got within 0.7. Yes, it definitely was an exciting last couple of laps. Now, you mentioned your past results and the fact that you were fast here all, all week. You really have become a bit of a, a Bathurst or mountain master. Did you have an each-way bet on yourself? <laughs> oh, yeah, we should have. I think the media had us at, well, the bet, uh, betting outfits had us at 51 bucks and and you know I thought uh, that you know that we were about probably eighth or ninth in the in the ranking I guess and and to be fair you know the guys who loaded up on us I think would have done pretty well over the weekend especially if they got onto us early but you know as as our performance on the weekend was highlighted both Cam and I, my performance you know in the car um, I think the odds were shortening every day and. Um, you know, like it's, uh, you know, I, I confidently thought we'd be able to get here, achieve this. Um, and, you know, kept it to myself, to be fair. But, but you know, we were ticking the boxes, the ones we needed to tick each day. And um, I was sort of in front of where I was last year in terms of those ticking the boxes. And uh, But, uh, again, we just, just didn't have the track position uh, in the race. Now, many drivers run a bit on confidence. Uh, so do you get frustrated at all when the media downplay your achievements and, and that uh, they, they don't rate you as a chance? Oh, no, I just laugh because they um, clearly get it wrong. <laughs> well, you've proven that. I mean, they've got reasons, obviously, but um, it's, a, uh, it's, it's just what they do and it's their job and they, they obviously look at the results and, and the results maybe you know don't, don't show that throughout the year. But I think... Um, you know, BJR and, and my results and Cam's results at Bathurst, you know, they've got to stand alone. Bathurst is a race where experience counts and speed counts and, you know, you've got to look at um, those those factors, I believe. Let's go back to my first question. What's it going to take to get the top step? Um, I think next year. I think next year. I think um, as a team, we've, we learn a lot out of this event. Um, you know, we can do better as a team. We did an amazing job, don't get me wrong. But um, there's areas where we can do better. It's my first year with the team, and you know I think we've achieved a lot this year, um, and you know together. Um, but I believe we, we can go we can go forward. We can still learn and um, be you know make some smarter decisions. Um, uh, you know all the time. You know like it's um, you know we made some really good decisions today, but. But um, there's still, still t- areas, you know, the teamwork itself was, was excellent. But you know, I believe um, another year with me and them working together, you know, with Cam, you know, I, I believe that will be the year we'll have a serious crack at Bathurst. Well, there's a lot of people tonight who'd be thinking, can't wait for next year, either because they've had a shocker and want to put it better, or they've had a great time. It sounds like you can't wait either to uh, take that step up. No, absolutely. I tell you, with Bathurst, it's one of those things. Even a bad day at Bathurst is still really an awesome event, and uh, you thoroughly enjoy it. So by about Monday afternoon, I'll be looking forward to next year. I'll be a bit worn out Monday, but um, but Monday afternoon I'll be going, right, let's uh, let's work out how we're going to you know, find that 0.7 of a second and win this damn race. Jason Richards was certainly died regretted. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, until next time round, keep smiling, and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.